see, every day we learn. Every day, every day we learn. And as a pastor, one of the things that we should be able to do as pastors and ministers of God is to be able to learn from our environment or things that happen around us. Because most of the times, those things are relatable, particularly if you want to minister. You can use the events of life, things that happen around you, what people can relate with to communicate your message. So as a pastor, I always try to look around me, listen to the news, see what is happening, and see how I can use that to communicate effectively in my message. Because I believe they are relatable. They are things that you can relate with. And that's why, you know, this morning I want to bring this message to you with an event you can relate with. You know, last week I did announce that the theme of this service is ultimate restoration. And, you know, the way I, man, I God wanted me to present it, I was just thinking about it, and the event that happened during the week really helped me to shape what I want to talk about today. And I pray that as you go along with me this day, we all benefit from this teaching in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, can you show me the next slide, please? The next slide. Who can, who can tell me which building is this? Eh? The Notre Dame. That's the big church in Paris. Can you show me the next slide, please? And this is what happened to the Notre Dame in the past week. I followed the news. I was observing what was happening. And in doing that, I learned a lot from this event. I learned a lot from this event. And I believe that uh, as I share with you this morning, you will see where I'm coming from in terms of what God wants me to share with us this morning. The first lessons I learned, or what observation I observed, was that the focus on the reporting of this event was majorly based on the historical artifacts that were in the building. And every effort was being made to make sure that they recover as many artifacts as possible. They were doing everything possible to get everything out. Praise the Lord. What will happen to this artifact? How will they replace it? And I wonder, I thought about myself, I said, come. What about the essence of that place? The spiritual essence of that building? Nobody is even talking much about it. But the artifacts that were in. Praise the Lord. What is happening? Why is our focus on just the artifacts alone? 
And, and I thought about that. I was like, well, what is treasured most by the people reporting it? May not be by everybody, but by the people reporting it, is basically those artifacts. And what will be lost by people not being able to see those things again? And I thought about the Easter, the season we are in as well. The season of celebration. Because to me, personally, I feel this is the most significant time for us as believers, as Christians. He came, died, gave himself for us. He came back again to confirm what he has said. That is the essence of our faith. And as we look forward to it as well, I realize there are a lot of commas that goes along with this season. Just like in Christmas. And a lot of time, that is the focus of what we do. That's the focus of what we do. We are not actually embracing the essence of the season. But what we can benefit from the season. Just like they were looking at the, the, the tourist attraction that that building brings to Paris. Not a place of worship that is being destroyed. Just like somebody putting uh, a chain with a crucifix in their neck. But the essence of that crucifixion is not in the life of that person. Hello? But it just wants to represent that in his chest or her chest. But the life he lives does not represent that crucifixion. No. And as I thought about that, so if we are celebrating Easter today, we should also remember that it is not just what happened that time, what was also said at that time after his resurrection. Because in Acts 1, Acts 1, 9 to 11, the scripture says, And when he had spoken these things, when they beheld, he was taken up. And the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken off from you into heaven, shall, in some, some, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go to heaven. So as we celebrate Easter, we should also be conscious of this. That just as he went, just as he went up, he's coming back again. Praise the Lord. His sacrifice did not just hang there. It came for everyone. It came for every one of us, brethren. But it's coming back. It may not be for everyone. When he comes back, is he coming back for you? Will you be ready when he comes back again? Because he's surely coming back. Just like he promised them that he was going to rise again. He's going to come back again. And when he comes back, will you be among the saints that he come back for? Praise the Lord. That was the first lesson I learned. That the focus of the people was on the building. Let not our focus as well just be on this celebration. Let our focus also be where is coming back. Tell your neighbor is coming back again. When he comes back, you know, I pray that we will not be left out in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And the second lesson I learned from that incident was that the fire started from the ongoing reconstruction area in the building. They were trying to do some reconstruction in the building. And that was the area that was under the scaffold around that area. That was the area that fire started from. And it was reported that that has been there for a long time. The reason why it was there for a long time was because they didn't have enough work formed to do the reconstruction, to do the special uplift they wanted to do. That was why that place was there for a long time with, with the scaffold all over the place. But do you know something, brethren? Two days, two days after that fire incident, two days, just two days, one billion dollars was raised for reconstruction. It leads to ask the question, what is the intent of the people that are giving the money? Was it because of the building or because of what attraction that building brings to the city? Because if the building has been there and they are struggling with money to just repair some part of the building and they didn't have money and there was fire incident and suddenly one billion dollar was raised within two days. If they are giving that money initially, maybe we don't have that incident at all. But because some people thought that the attraction is still bring to the city, the city will be lost. Remember that they said is the most visited place in Paris. And people visit Paris, they fit even more than what's it called? Alpha Tower. More than that. So you can see the kind of attraction that building brings. Praise the Lord. And I thought about it in the same way. There are things me and you can do now in preparation for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are not doing. We are not doing it. We know he's coming back. We have been told. We believe, we don't believe. But our action does not show that we really care about his coming back. Praise the Lord. Just like this fire incident, it will come, it will come like a thief in the night when you, know, when you don't expect it. That's what the religion says. So it's going to come back like a thief in the night. So what preparation are you making now for his coming? Or are you going to just react, ah, he has come. What do I do now? No, it will be too late at that time. If they can raise that kind of money within two days, what if they had put that money on the ground before? That repair won't have caused that incident. What are we doing in preparation for the coming of the Lord? He's coming back. He said it. He's coming back. What are you doing about it? And that reminds me of the story of the, of the ten virgins in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. I'll read it from here. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. The Bible says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that are foolish took their lambs and took no hold with them. But the wife took all in their vessels with their lambs. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. 
go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trained their lambs. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lambs are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to, to them that say, And buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bride came. And they, they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. So the door of salvation will be shut against you in the name of Jesus Christ. I repeat, the door of salvation will not be shut against you in the name of Jesus Christ. But he, after what came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answers and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Walk therefore, for you know not the hour, the day, or the day in the Son of God, man cometh. Praise the Lord. And you can see a lot of things happening here. They were all expecting the bridegroom. They knew it was coming. But there are three things I can learn from this particular scripture. To the foolish virgins, their foolishness was not what in plain sight. Their foolishness was not in plain sight. Everybody that saw them, they believed they were waiting as well as the other people. But they were not ready. Just like everybody comes to church. But not everybody that's in church is ready for the coming of the Lord. It is not plain. It is not something that you can see that this one is ready. But God knows who are ready for him. So they all saw them. They, saw that they were ready. And that's why it's very, it's very important that don't just assume that your brother or your sister is in the Lord. You need to continually pray for each other. Continually encourage each other. Praise the Lord. Another thing I learned was that carelessness was in display. It could be. It could even be that they were aware that the others were carrying extra oil. And they could be saying that, why all this uh, too much uh, preparation? Let's just go and do what we are going to do. Your own is just too much. You know, just like anybody can, 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 can feed that way the church today. They saw you praying in the morning, in the evening. Ah, why now? It's too much. They saw you doing things that maybe preparing you, making you to be, you know, ready for him. And they felt that you are doing your own too much. That could be the case of these girls. They may be aware that the others were prepared more than them, but I'm like, what? What I've done is enough. It's barely enough. I can do with this. Or it could be that they were even forced to participate in this event. Maybe they, maybe they are not even interested. So, because they are not interested, every other thing they need to do extra was not what? Something they were ready to do. Someone that is coming to church because maybe you want to please somebody or you want to make somebody happy or you want to just feel like, okay, let, let me just show them I'm, I'm part of it too. Then your preparation, your act even to receive the word will not be there. When the word comes, you may not be able to receive it because you have not prepared your heart for it. So it's just an exercise in futility. That doesn't make any difference. If you are doing it to impress anybody, you're not impressing God with it. You cannot impress God like that. Possible reluctance. Carelessness. That, that, that could be the things that you could see in the life of these ones. 
How are you preparing for the Lord's coming? Will you be ready when the Lord's coming? Because he's surely coming back. Not just, yes, he has died, he has resurrected again, but he's coming back. That is the most important thing for you and me. He's coming back. What will you be when he comes back? What will you be doing? Will he meet you where when he comes back? Will he be proud to say, yeah, this is my home when he comes back? And that is very, very important for us. Carelessness. You know, on Friday, I was having a discussion with my my children, you know, just money, devotion, like kind of setting. And after we did the discussion, I asked them, and I said, do you have any scripture or anything you want to ask that that only can clarify for you, you know, during this period that we are discussing? And one of them asked that there's a verse that he doesn't understand. And I also, I also, because that's, that verse actually, Talk about what I'm talking about now. Say Proverbs 1 22. That what does it mean? Proverbs 1, let, let's, let, let's go there. Proverbs 1 22. Proverbs 1 22. It says, How long, ye simple ones, will you love what? Simplicity. And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. And I was like, wow, that is just what I was talking about in my message on Sunday. I just told myself, lovers love simplicity. Why, why are you carrying Jesus for head like this? Why are you carrying Jesus for head? Why are you just, just take it easy? You are the only one that you, 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 you know, we go to church every Sunday or every Tuesday. What does not go? Why do we have to be going, going every day? You know, and that's, that tells us a lot about what is happening today in Christianity. Simplicity. We, do, we just want to do as little as possible. You know, not to commit ourselves, not to put ourselves in a position where bad people will be, you know, uh, seeing us as being too involved. Just go to church and come out. Don't worry about other things. The Lord help us in the name of Jesus Christ. But God expects so much from us. Praise the Lord. And the third lesson I learned from that speak, from that, from that incident was that the ultimate restoration people should be talking about is how to get people back into the church. Not how just to re rebuild that structure so that the tourist attraction will not fail. Do we really care that people don't come to church again? If we care so much about it, if the reaction is the same way as when this incident happened, then we will not be where we are today, brother. Then churches will not be sold all over the world. That's why in the Western world. Do you know how many churches have been sold? Because people that are going there, either they are old people, they are dying, and no, no young ones are coming again, and they don't have the capacity to, to actually you know, pay for the utilities in the church again. So they have to do what? To sell it off. And many of them, money are coming from Saudi Arabia to do what? To buy them off. Those have not been a concern to us at all. But the fact that we are going to lose a tourist attraction brought so much cooperation from all over the world. Money keeps cooperating to rebuild the church. 
We are so conscious of the building. We are less conscious of the heart of men. That's far away. That's going far away from the church. That should, that should you know, ignite something in us. If only this reaction comes as well to those incidents where churches have been bought. I was, I was in the U.S. sometime last year, and I met one of our pastors. They, thank God he was bought by a, another church. But the reason the Baptist church was, was thriving before in that, that city, very big church, but they didn't have money again to manage it. They had to sell it. And the, the Baptist preacher said he was not going to sell it to any other uh, thing or any other use but for church. So he insisted. So when they got the church to buy it, they have to even reduce the price so that the church can buy it. Praise the Lord. But I've seen churches here in Calgary that have been sealed up and some section of it is not in Madrasa. You know what Madrasa is? In Madrasa is an Islamic school. In Calgary, on Edmonton Trail, there's a church there, seed hall. The back of it is not being used as a madrasa. That is happening all over the world. All over the world. That should concern us. That's why in the book of Joel 2, Joel 2.23, Joel 2.23, the Bible says, and you rain your heart and not your garments. Rend your hands and not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to hunger and of great kindness, and repent him of the evil. Praise the Lord. So, and in conclusions, he came for everyone. He came for every one of us. But I want to remind us again, when he comes back again, will everybody be ready for him? Will you be ready for him? Will I be ready for him? Let us not also forget that he came to reconcile us with the Father. That is the ultimate restoration. He came to reconcile all the Father. Matthew 7, 22, 23. Can you put on the screen, please? Matthew 7, 23. Because, in a way, many of us have forgotten where he came. When the Lord Jesus Christ came, of course, he did so many miracles. He performed so many miracles. But that is not just the essence of his coming. That is what I call maybe the sad attractions. Things that you know, accompany his presence. But the essence of his coming is to call us to repentance, to reconcile us with our Father. But today, we have taken the said attraction as the main attraction. So people are seeking miracles, they are not seeking God again. And our lifestyle has not changed from when we do not know God. But because all we pursue is that miracle, not God. But he says, seek you for what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every righteousness of what? Shall be handed unto you. That is the primary objective of his coming. Because he said here, in Matthew 7, say, many will say to me, on that day, Lord, Lord, I, have not, I will not prophesy in thy name, and thy name cast out devils, and thy name do many wonderful works. 
and say, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that walk iniquity. Praise the Lord. And I ask myself, if he can say that to the one that performed miracles, what will he say to the one that is looking for miracles? Do you understand me? If you can say that, depart from me, ye walk out of iniquity. To the one that is performing the miracle, what will he say to the one that is always seeking for miracles? Not seeking God. What will the testimony be? As we reflect on this, on this day, let us reflect on where we are in. Praise the Lord. And the last thing I want to say, in conclusion, is that on the cross, he said, it is what? Finish. But he handed the baton over to you and me. He has completed his work. He added the baton over to you and me. In Mark 16, 15 to 16, he said, Go ye the what? To the world and preach the gospel. Where is that baton in today? Is it still in your hand? Or have you dropped it? Is that baton in your hand? Are you passing it home? Or have you dropped it? Let's wrap it up. Thank you.